Blue Wire. The San Diego Chargers select Joey Bosa. Oh, here comes Bosa. The Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Powder Blue Review. As always, I am your host, Michael Peterson. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter. It's at ZoneTracks, Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. Go ahead and follow the podcast Twitter handle at Podcast, And head on over to SBNationsBoltsOnTheBlue.com where you can check out all of my written work. We do a lot of great work over there. It is a lot of fun, especially on a victory Monday as today. You guys will obviously be listening to this on Tuesday when it comes out at midnight, but it is victory Monday today. It is our second of the season, and I would have liked by week four to maybe have had one, maybe even two more victory Mondays, but more than one victory Monday is something that I cannot argue with. On today's show, guys, we're going to go over the game. Obviously, started out a little flaky in the first half, ended up being the kind of, uh, you know, ass whooping that we were kind of hoping that the Chargers would put on the Dolphins, that especially in the second half, it was more so what we wanted, but regardless, a win is a win. They beat the Dolphins 30-10. to They beat them so bad that they got some of the second stringers in there. We got to see some players that we haven't seen a lot of in the first three games finally get a decent amount of snaps due to the lead in this one, um, and it was an absolute tons of fun. There's some plenty of other things to go over as well. There was a plethora of injuries during this game. I actually was tasked for Bolts from the Blue to write up any injury that happened during the game, and I wrote up six guys who were dinged up. Six times I had to whip open my tablet while I was watching the game and write up, this player, XYZ, got hurt, hope this isn't something that the team needs to monitor, so on. It was so many. It was so many injuries that I almost got sick of doing it. Unfortunately, this team was able to beat the Miami Dolphins with a skeleton team already. Add in these now potential four, five, six injuries to monitor for the next week prior to uh, facing the Denver Broncos in our first divisional game of the season. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. And then we're going to go ahead and finish the show with this week's episode, or excuse me, segment of Surge or Static. And if you guys haven't listened to either of the first couple editions of this segment, it is where I pick three players who surged forward with their play, meaning they've had a really good day, successful day, maybe they killed it for fantasy reasons or something like that. And then I pick three guys who were static or took a step back in their play, aka just guys who kind of floundered when we would expect more from them. So um, that's what we got for the show today, guys. And without further ado, let's get into it. As mentioned before, the Los Angeles Chargers did beat the Miami Dolphins 30-10 to yesterday, but it wasn't without missing a ton of their players already. So just to name the handful that were inactive and are still hurt for the Chargers, that included Hunter Henry, Virgil Green, so missing their top two tight ends, Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin, so two of their top four receivers, and then Michael Badgley still missed this game, um, still having a lingering groin issue with our starting kicker. So they didn't just miss these five guys. By the end of the game, they took six more hits and uh, those guys included Denzel Perryman came up hard after a game. Uh, sorry, a missed tackle. Uh, Chenna Nwosu came up, looked like he had a hurt arm, might have got pinned while he was uh, trying to go after a loose ball. 
Melvin Ingram, early on in the game, wound up on the sideline with ice wrapped around his hamstring. He did not go in for the rest of the game. Sean Colkin, unfortunately, had the worst injury of all. He tore his Achilles after making a big catch to convert uh, for a first down. He will be out for the season, so that makes the top three tight ends on this team currently out. And then Dontrell Inman came up, but I believe finished the game uh, just fine. Probably nothing to monitor there. And then Ty Long, after coming up limping following the second kickoff of the day, he ended up nailing a 51-yard field goal and kicking regularly for the rest of the game. But that is still something to monitor. I think, you know, without him, they would not have had a kicker. So, of course... He had to gut through it, and thank God he did. Uh, He was 3 of 3 on field goals, 3 of 3 on extra points. But again, something to monitor. If if things don't go well with Michael Badgley this week, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them sign a third kicker to try and figure this whole thing out. Well, if anything, they need to sign a kicker and punter if Ty Long can't go because he's essentially doing both for the squad. Looking at some of the stats... Again, for the Chargers, Phillip Rivers had an efficient day, finished 80%, uh, 24 of 30, had 310 yards passing and two touchdowns. Austin Eckler, in what could have been his final debut or performance as the team's RB1, finished with 18 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown on the ground, as well as five catches for another 62 yards and a touchdown through the air. Troy Troy Main Pope, excuse me, Played second fiddle to Eckler in this game. Melvin Gordon did not play, by the way. Melvin Gordon sat on the sideline the whole time. They did talk about possibly using him. He was active. He was dressed on the sideline. They did not need him in this game, so chose to go without. Troy Main Pope, in a complimentary role, finished with 20 rushing yards on 10 carries, had two catches for 14 yards and a touchdown. So good looking by Pope uh, to kind of get in there, score his first professional touchdown and uh, help the team actually get on the board because that was uh, the first touchdown of the day for the Chargers. Phillip Rivers had a nifty little run, used that quote-unquote mobility that you know he does not have, and found Troy Pope to have him scamper 13 yards into the end zone to get the Chargers on the board. Keenan Allen kind of came back to earth, uh, unfortunately. You know, he's kind of been carrying the team, carrying this receiving corpse with all the injuries. He wasn't needed today as well. Another guy that they definitely didn't need. He only caught four balls for 48 total receiving yards. Dontrell Inman actually finished with a team lead in catches or was tied with five catches uh, along with Austin Eckler for a team high 76 yards receiving. And then Lance Kendricks, the only surviving tight end at the moment on the team, caught two balls for 37 yards. One of them was a big catch in a run uh, earlier in the game that kind of made it look like, you know, this guy might fit right in. As long as Hunter Henry is out, I think Lance Kendricks can be that safety outlet for uh, Phillip Rivers in this passing game, especially if none of the receivers uh, can stay healthy nor keep up and earn his trust uh, like Keenan Allen has. Since Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin were both inactive on Sunday, Jeremy Davis had to be relied on more so than he has probably in the last couple years, and they promoted Andre Patton once again to the uh, regular roster and had to wave outside linebacker Chris Peace, who I don't think if any fans of Peace are out there... um, One of them is me. Uh, He should be fine. He should be back with the team once they demote Andre Patton back to the practice squad. But both of them caught two passes in this game. Actually, they all looked pretty good. They weren't just simple passes. I think Andre Patton, actually, a lot of people thought he looked like Tyrell Williams catching a short crosser and taking it for a few extra yards. Jeremy Davis using his big body to corral some possession catches to help keep the team ahead of the chains, keep the chains moving. It was really good to see, honestly. Um, I'm not sure how they would look against a defense that isn't this Dolphins defense. 
But overall, I think there's just a little bit more confidence in this Chargers wide receiver room if more injuries were to occur or if the certain injuries that are happening right now were to linger a little bit longer. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, um, I think the biggest standout of the day was Desmond King. Now, a lot of people think Desmond King was beat on that wheel route to Devontae Parker. It was Josh Rosen's first, second touchdown, excuse me, of uh, in the last six starts. It was his first touchdown throw of this year. It was only the Dolphins' second total touchdown of the entire season. So, of course, fans were upset. You know, fans were sitting there thinking, well, of course the Chargers are the, the one of the teams that allow them to score a touchdown. You know, they went through all these games, couldn't score, couldn't get in the end zone, and of course, of course the Chargers allow them to do that. But it wasn't King's fault, so at least from what I could deduce with Rayshon Jenkins and Desmond King both taking to Twitter and saying that it wasn't them, that Jenkins was a deep hook defender meaning that he was playing in the middle of the field. He was not responsible for the deep third, which is where that touchdown was caught. And then Desmond King was the next one to be blamed simply because he was uh, obviously the one running after Devontae Parker, running behind him when he caught that touchdown. But at the same time, it was not his fault. Desmond King was the zone flat defender. He was not really supposed to carry Devontae Parker that vertical for so long. At the end of the day, just by based on deduction, um, it was Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward was outside on the receiver. The outside receiver, Parker, started in the slot. And when the outside receiver hit his deep in route, Casey Hayward went with that receiver who was going into Rayshon Jenkins' zone. And Hayward was supposed to let that go and stay in his deep third, which is where that touchdown obviously went. So unfortunately, I think by deduction, um, Casey Hayward was at fault here. But again, it's not the end of the world. I think it was a good play. I think Casey didn't think there was something vertical coming. He thought he was right, which is why he made that choice. But unfortunately, it ended up in a touchdown. Well, thank God the Chargers were able to pull it out. So again, not the end of the world. But Desmond King, besides making some plays in coverage, was an animal getting to the quarterback. Get this. He had four total tackles. That was it. But he finished with what I think is the most quiet two and a half sacks from a player that I've seen in quite some time. He also had three separate QB hits. So instead of them trying to get after the quarterback with their traditional pass rush, they were getting a little creative. Gus Bradley likes to get creative and use his defensive backs to get after the quarterback. And especially when you have a guy like Desmond King, who is just as good as Derwin James rushing the passer, I think you got to do it. Um, Desmond King had three and a half sacks, which ties the rookie defensive back record for most in NFL history. Uh, he did that his rookie season. The following year was Derwin James' rookie season. He also had three and a half sacks to tie the record. And I think he had those three and a half sacks within like the first five or six games. He unfortunately didn't get any more the rest of the season. He still made a bunch of plays uh, throughout the rest of the year, but unfortunately didn't break that record. So anyway, the point is these guys can rush the passer. And it's really, really good to see Gus Bradley kind of get creative and get Desmond King back in there to get some pressure on the quarterback, especially when his traditional defensive ends and outside linebackers haven't been able to do that job. Uh, going around the rest of the notable defensive performances, Thomas Davis, just four total tackles. Uh, no one really had more than four tackles, actually. I think uh, the leader, excuse me, had five. But this wasn't a game where a lot of people had to rack up tackles. The, the Dolphins didn't have the ball that long. It wasn't necessarily needed. Davis finished with four total tackles and a half a sack that he split, I believe, with Joey Bosa and Jerry Tillery. I think all three of them were on a sack, and they gave him each a half. Um, Denzel Perryman, three total tackles, had a tackle for loss. Chenin Wosu had a tackle for loss. Bosa, three tackles, half sack. Tillery, two tackles, half sack. Isaac Rochelle coming through with a full sack of his own. Um, and then looking at 
Melvin Ingram, he finished with one tackle in the day, but did get hurt in the first quarter. Like I mentioned before, he stayed out the rest of the game. And Mike Davis, in his first game back since injuring himself very early on in week one, came out and scored an interception for the team. I believe that is the team's first interception since the Detroit Lions game. Good to see him make a play right away in coverage. Uh, he missed a lot of time. The team definitely needed him back. Um, Brandon Faison was getting absolutely manhandled and abused in the secondary opposite Hayward. Good to have Davis back. Good to see that he stills know, stills, still, excuse me, still knows how to pick off a pass. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. And why should you have to? Men look so much better when their suit fits them. Not just fits, but fits them. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit, so you also look great and feel great. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400, and the process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can also get measured and design your own suit at your nearest Indochino showroom. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for a made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, it can be expensive, and there's just way too many carriers to choose from. So how do you know you're making the best choice? This is why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter what you're selling, whether it's on Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even on your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Now heading over to the other side of things, taking a look at how the Miami Dolphins themselves fared in this game. Um, Started out pretty hot. Can't lie about that. Came out uh, looking like they really wanted to beat this Chargers team. Obviously, the Chargers were not having it and stepped on the gas in the second half. But that first half, man, that was tough. I think Rosen was, I think, 70% his way to his average game, uh, passing yards per game, excuse me. 
in just the first half. I mean, he was really throwing it. He was getting lucky. Balls were going through receiver's hands and landing in a different receiver's hand. I mean, it was some stuff. It was very, very, very frustrating. They were able to run the ball fairly well. I think Kenyon Drake was their leading rusher with 69 yards rushing uh, on the year through the first three games of the season. He ended this one with 44 yards rushing on nine carries. And I'm pretty sure 99% of that was in the first half. So all of a sudden, the Chargers, you know, they, they were working on uh, – holding on to the run defense. They were working on stopping opposing rushers at all costs. And they just weren't having it in early on in this game. This defense just didn't look the way they should have against a Miami squad like this. But again, got the win. So I don't want to kind of dwell on that any longer than we have to. Rosen finished 17 of 24 for 180 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Drake, uh, nine for 44 yards on the ground, three for 29 through the air. And then Mark Walton actually got most of the backup work in this. Kalen Balaj didn't really do much of anything to say in this game, but Walton finished six yard six carries for 23 yards two catches for 11 yards Devontae Parker was the one lone star for the Dolphins in this one he caught four passes for 70 yards and the touchdown Preston Williams who has been the team's best receiver for through the first three weeks of this year finished with just four catches for 46 yards the only sack the Dolphins were able to get on Phillip Rivers came from newly acquired Taco Charlton who came over from the Denver, or excuse me, the Dallas Cowboys. He was a first-round pick of them, I believe, two years ago. Really just didn't cut it in Dallas. They released him, and surely the Dolphins picked him up, I think, within a day or two of him being released. He got the sack of the day. Um, unfortunately, this sack, you know, you can't hold too much salt into it. Sean Colkin was the only one matched up one-on-one on him on the edge, and you just don't do that. Your third-string tight end, leave him alone on a former first-round pick, pass rusher out of Michigan. The Dolphins kicker didn't make things any easier for themselves. He finished one of three on field goals and made the one lone extra point on the day. Not the best game. This Dolphin squad, I think, has some fight in them. I think they've got some players to definitely build around, but it seems like the tank is a full go, and I'm not sure what that means for Brian Flores. If the team does tank or, in general, just has a very bad year, ends up with the number one overall pick, is this something where they trust Flores to get the team out of? Because, obviously, last year, Steve Wilkes didn't last more than a season with the Arizona Cardinals, and that's obviously why Cliff Kingsbury is now the head coach there, but uh, they got... The top pick got Kyler Murray, but didn't think that Wilkes was going to be the guy to kind of help them get out of the hole that they think he dug in the first place. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with Flores. I think they've got some talent. I'm not sure why they're trading away players for picks in which they need to use those picks they got to get players like they just traded away, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, I really don't know. I think the Dolphins are a dumpster fire at this point in time, and uh, uh, I'm not really sure what to say about that otherwise. Aside from the win, obviously, being the big positive from Sunday, there were a couple positives that came out from them being in, uh, ahead by so much. Obviously, they won 30-10. to 10. So once the end of that fourth quarter hit, they threw in some players to kind of see what they could get out of them in limited game action. And two of those players were obviously Forrest Lamp and Drew Tranquil. Drew Tranquil came in. I believe he was playing the mic. I still need to see the All-22 on his film to really give him too much of a grade. But I thought he looked good. I mean, the defense still held towards the end of the game. Um, it's good to see them finally getting him out there, especially once he had such a good preseason and he's such a good player. He's got all the intangibles, the uncoachable things that coaches want in their players. Just really good to see him out there and get some run. And secondly, this was really cool. When the uh, second team offense came out, Trey Pipskin. Pipkins, the third round pick for the Chargers this past year, was in at right tackle, and Forrest Lamp was at left tackle. 
Yes, you heard that right. Forrest Lamp was at left tackle getting reps at a position that the Chargers could probably do with an upgrade at. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It was amazing, and he looked good. He looked natural, and earlier on in the game, Forrest Lamp actually got a whole series in at left guard for Dan Feeney. Again, looked really good. Didn't allow a pressure, didn't allow a tackle for loss or a short gain or anything like that for a running back. It was awesome. It's great to see um, going over, and let's just take a look over at some of these other snap counts. Um, so Lamp did get in on, I believe it was 17 total snaps, a quarter of the snaps on that day, on Sunday. Uh, he got in, Questenberry came in for six, Pipkins came in for six. Defensive side of the ball, Drew Tranquil had 10 snaps total, um, and Nasir Adderley even got in there and played nine snaps at free safety. So really cool to see. I know we probably won't see too much of them unless they get ahead like this game uh, in future contests, but still awesome to see Tranquil, awesome to see Lamb, awesome to see Nasir Adderley. Um, you know, I hope even though they won that they still see that I don't think Roderick Teamer is the answer at strong safety. I don't want to play another good team and have the Chargers lose because they decided to give Roger Teamer the start once again at strong safety. So we'll see what happens. Um, but still super, super exciting stuff to see with the backups. As we always do, we're going to go ahead and finish up this episode with this week's edition of surge or static. And this one was a little tough to find guys on static. I think there's more of like the unit themselves run defense, a little bit of the secondary kind of had low moments, but, uh, I found three guys for static. I got three deserving players for surge. So starting off with the first player who surged forward this week with his play was still Austin Eckler. And I think he's been one of the guys who's made three of four times been on the surge list so far this year um he had another good game in his again might be the final game as running back one for the chargers came out and had two touchdowns one through the air one uh on the ground again 60 yards rushing 62 yards receiving still has more receiving yards than he does rushing yards but at the end of the day i guess whatever gets the job done um, looked good, looked great, snuck through some holes, broke some tackles, made something out of nothing more than one time on more than one occasion. So uh, it's good to see Eckler. I really, really hope they don't limit his touches too much. I still think he should get the bulk of touches, even with Melvin Gordon coming back. I don't think Gordon deserves it. Regardless, I don't think he can keep this offense churning like it has been the same way Eckler has. Secondly, guys, Philip Rivers had a really good day. Philip Rivers looked a little more lively in this one, making two plays with his actual legs. Now, if you recall, the first touchdown to Troy Main Pope, Rivers was flushed out of the pocket to his left, and as he's running, he kind of made it look like he was going to commit to running for as many yards as he could, and the defender who was on Troy Main Pope in the flat on that side decided to step up on Rivers and Rivers threw his sidearm pass to Troy Main Pope who was able to cut back against the grain and scuttle 13 yards for the game's first touchdown. It was awesome to see and something you just don't see a lot of from Rivers so it's awesome to see that he's able to uh, you know improvise make something like that happen when the team needed it the most. And then the second touchdown of the day that he threw was to Austin Eckler. And this was uh, sort of a similar situation where Eckler um, was running out to the flat to Rivers' left. And as Rivers dropped back, he kind of stepped up in the pocket and made it look like he was going to, again, run for some extra yardage. But right before he was across the line of scrimmage, threw a bullet to his left 
Uh, it was behind him, so it might have been counted as a rush. I'm not entirely sure, but Eckler caught it and rushed up the left sideline, was able to squeak in from about 15 to 20 yards out, I believe, somewhere around there, uh, for his second touchdown of the game. And again, something you don't see from Rivers too much, but it was like he kind of understood that his team wasn't playing super well, and he kind of took it into his own hands to make a play, and against his aging body, he made those plays. Thirdly, you've got to go with Desmond King. Of course, Desmond King gets the nod here. Um, Regardless of what you think, he allowed that wheel touchdown to Devontae Parker earlier in the game. The guy had two and a half sacks from a defensive back position, had three more separate QB hits, um, didn't allow really anything in man coverage. So, of course, Desmond King's going to get the nod here for my third player in the surge section. Moving on to our static section this week, guys. This guy may have not totally deserve being in the status section, but I have to include Keenan Allen here just because of how much he digressed from his uh, path, his absolute tear that he's been on through the first three games. He finished with just four catches for about 48 yards. It wasn't the normal Allen. Part of that is due to uh, game script. Part of it is just to game flow, how things went. They didn't need to throw it a bunch. Um, He wasn't needed in this game. He wasn't needed to carry the team on his back. So Allen, unfortunately, you know, kind of quit his tear after leading the league in receiving and receptions by a long shot. Um, Four for 48 isn't going to get it done. And so he kind of falls back into the pack here with his play on Sunday. Secondly, I have Denzel Perryman. He had four missed tackles on the day, and he was injured on his fourth attempt. So, of course, I'm going to put him here, guys. He does make plays. He does get into the backfield. He really helps out this run defense. I truly believe that. But the guy misses a bunch of tackles. And again, at 5'11", with short extremities, it's tough for him to make some reach tackles simply because he doesn't have that length. He doesn't have the reach. And it's a little bit easier for defenders to make him miss if he's not 100% on his spot. And thirdly, guys, I'm just going to finish this out with Trent Scott. Um, Did not play the absolute best as well. He he definitely didn't allow a sack. Um, I got to give him that. But at the same time, um, this guy had a a personal foul penalty um, where it allowed the Dolphins to get a kickoff 15 yards closer. And um, you just can't let that happen. And, of course, there was plenty of penalties on the day. But something like that by a guy who's already a second-string player at a position that he's not even that good at, when he starts adding penalties and penalty yardage to this team, uh, that's a guy you take off the field. And as soon as they're able to take him off the field, I would like to see Forrest Lamp there. We will see. But, again, can't have that from a a second player, a second-team player, especially at such an important position as the left tackle spot. That does it for me today, guys. I will see you guys later this week, of course, for the second edition of Powder Blue Review. We're doing two times a week now with the regular season here. Um, Thank you for coming on, guys. This was episode 22. We're still going strong. Still absolutely love doing this for you guys each and every week. Um, As always, go follow on Twitter at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. Go ahead and follow the podcast Twitter handle at Podcast. And head over to BoltsFromTheBlue.com. That is SB Nation's Los Angeles Chargers website. Still doing lots of great work over there. Would love your guys' feedback and support over there. Smash the like button, subscribe button, leave a review. Would love five stars. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like, guys. I invite you to do all of this stuff. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So, uh, once again, this has been Michael Peterson, and I will see you guys later this week.